Welcome to the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast, hosted by veterinarians Dr. Lewis Kirkham and Dr. Robbie Anderton, who'll give you the inside scoop on the secret lives of your pets and have a lighthearted look at the latest animal news, health tips, and other random facts. All names of people and pets have been changed for confidentiality, so if the story sounds familiar, don't flatter yourself. Every owner is just as animal crazy as you are. So sit down, place your furry feathered or scaly best friend on your lap, and it's over to Lewis and Robbie. A bit of welcome back, Cotter, for you, mate. You would, have, you would have been right across. Welcome back, Cotter. A bit of John Travolta's early work. Well, I thought it was uh, country practice, mate. But country practice. Yeah. No, no. no. Welcome back. Like it. Welcome back. So welcome back, listeners. Yes, we episode, are back. We're back to episode ninety-three of the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast. With too much talking of pets is barely enough. I'm Dr. Robbie Andert, and I'm joined by a man who has been shortlisted as one of the actors to help revive the motion picture Cats's reputation in a live-action six-part miniseries for Netflix. Netflix, where he's going to be playing the rebellious jellical cat Rum Tum Tugger. It's Dr. Lewis Kirkham. Lewis, how are you going? Good, Robbie. Good, Robbie. That's me, Rum Tum Tugger, mate. How, how across are you, uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber's uh, work of cats? Oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a keen follower of Rum Tum Tugger. Are you? Tell me more. I've got no idea, oh. mate. I had to I had to look up Wikipedia <laughs> trying to find character names, and I thought, which 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 character of these would Lewis play? I thought they'd, they'd only be Rum Tum Tugger, it, surely. I, I guarantee it's Rum Tum Tugger. I don't know who that is. Is. I've got no idea either. But Pleasure is played by Jason Derulio in the in the movie that's up made about forty five cents across the world. Oh, Taylor Swift, mate. Oh, Ta- she might be Rum Tum Tugger. Tay Tay's in there. Yeah, Tay Tay's in the Judy Dench. Oh, I know Judy Dench was in there. I watched the shorts of it. I watched it with the kids saying, "I don't know if this movie's actually real or not." <laughs> I thought it was going to be a bit just this big massive fake, but no, it turns out it was real. But well, apparently there are cats with hands. Like human hands, like they made some errors. Oh, yeah. And with wedding rings on them. Like Judy Dench's hand got in there with a wedding ring on it. Right. That's meant to be a cat paw, of course. Right. So I had to go back to the cutting room table and fix it up. And, and cut off cut off her hands. A bit like this podcast where we edit things and we put things in, don't we? Yeah, well, yeah, it's not quite right. Yeah, yeah. When, when things, when, when lawyers start getting involved and, you know, <laughs> that, that's where we often, we often cut things from that. Or, we're back on that. Don't we, bring say, that up. Don't talk about it. Yeah, if we, if we mention inappropriate things or you need to try and put a little, uh, you know, put, put a little blasphemy beep in there or something. Something like that, you know. If we've if we've uh, had a go at someone, oh no, that beep, yeah, that that sort of beep, yeah. Or you yeah, put that, the wrong beep in. That, that was because I'd had beans for lunch. That beep, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, we're back. Twenty twenty, Lewis. We're 20, 2020, 2020 vision. We've got a clear view of what's going to happen with the two vets talk pets podcast, and that's basically. Still more of the same crap as what we've done for the previous 92 episodes. Don't we, mate? We've got it sorted. I mean, last week's last week's episode did my own. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was going to be solo the rest of the end. We had a few bit of feedback. Yeah, so... A little uh, bit somber. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of people asked, was that our last episode? Really? You thought... That <laughs> it must have been that bad. It was a, sort of just really low key. You, you sort of went... I mean, obviously, you know, you're talking about the bushfires and things like that, so it's not going to be an awful lot in the way of... Funny jokes and things like that, no. but um, but uh, the the overall impression that people got was that uh, we'd we'd had a a, a conscientious uncoupling. <laughs> it was it was something like that we were just busy, weren't we? Or oh, you particularly had some things on. Oh, and, look, and it, we're all it, back now, though. Life 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 is has been at a point where things are busy, but hey, you know we're back here, and it, and it's been a minute since we've actually recorded face to face as well. I think it the is, last time yeah. we actually recorded face to face was when we were um getting chased around by the uh the the blue man at the uh. <laughs> Cat Lovers Show. 
Are we back on him again? The no, little no, hat. we're not talking about Don't him. Don't bring it up. We're Don't talking about Chris Brown. Oh, oh, Chris, oh, Chris Brown. Chris right. Brown's the guy that we were chatting chased around by at the Cat Lovers show. Exactly. I think the last time we recorded, I had hair on my head. <laughs> that, that long guy. Yeah, uh, and and it's and it's coming back nicely too, mate. It's great. I love how you've um sort of. Uh, I didn't want to say anything about the hair piece that you had there. I mean, I thought you were fine without it, but you know, hey. Horses for courses, mate. Well, you well know? speaking of hair loss, mate. Yes. During the week, I got my first zoonosis. Oh, your first zoonosis? Yeah, I caught. I caught so, for listeners what who is don't a know, yeah, listeners don't know, zoonosis is where something we catch from the animals, which yes. as vets, you'd think that might be something that we might be a bit prone to catching. Well, we've got some bad ones that we can be exposed exactly. to. Exactly. I know you think, so. I know you're thinking, mate, straight up, you're thinking koalas, aren't you? Koalas, oh, yeah, yeah, you caught cop chlamydia from a koala. <laughs> that's all right. Yeah. No, I didn't. No, oh, that's no, good. Listeners, I did not get the clap from a koala. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, first of all, no, so, oh, I've got to be a ringworm, mate. I was going to say ringworm yeah. would have been it, yeah. I've never had it. Too much cuddling up next to cute kittens, mate. Well, the thing is, I reckon I had one uh, a few a week before Christmas. Right. With ringworm, kitten yeah. with ringworm. Not since then. Yeah, yeah. And I, I reckon I might have got it with Olive, from Olive. Got it back from the cattery. Yes. I reckon she had it in a nail and she was sort of gripping on. Nails a bit longer and yep. a bit of scratch on my shoulder. Right. And came up classic ringworm shape. And I was like, ooh, that doesn't look good. Yeah. I think it's ringworm. So did you go to the doctor and get a get a proper diagnosis? Of or course. You, yes. Of course I went to the doctor. Yes. yes. And yeah, I the, looked the, in the Dr. mirror. Dr. Lewis. And I said, doctor, yeah. what's this? And I yeah, said, that's so ringworm. That's ringworm. And so they went and got some Maliseb and you put some Maliseb on there? <laughs> I did a little bit of a toothbrush comb of the oh, whole did area. You? Nice. Yeah, 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 brush yeah. it down. Set, sent it, sent it off. Sent it off yeah. to the lab as a kitten. A no, kitten. I didn't. I just looked at it and put some cream on and it's gone. Fantastic. Yeah, fixed. So there you go. You had, you had zoonosis, mate? Um, I, you know? Oh, let me think. Don't think so. I mean, I've had plenty of um, uh, uh, infections from uh, mouth bacteria from cats and dogs, you know, from, from where I've been bitten. But Oh, know, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but not, not actually from a dermatological yeah, sense. Not, I, I tend to, you know, sort of. Just, just keep animals at arm's length, Lewis, because well, I know they're, they're, they're full of... Like the kids, I try and keep them at arm's length, so I know they're just full of bugs. Keep them bite's length. Bite's length, Bite's yes. length, mate. Yeah, so yeah, you yeah. Can get oh, inoculated that way. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I just about had my... Um, uh, 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 small, uh, small Mexican dog antibodies um, stimulated today. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A chua hua. No, I'm not, not, not pointing any fingers, but you know, because otherwise, because you haven't got any I, left, I, I would have lost them. Yeah, those <laughs> got, they call, call me Stumpy McGee now. So, <laughs> is that one of the cats? In the movie, Stumpy McGee. Stumpy McGee might oh, be. Tugger Bum Bum. No, what was it? <laughs> rum Tum Tugger he is. <laughs> well, we'll edit that out. Rum Rum, rum Tuggy Tuggy Bum Bum. <laughs> I got that a little bit wrong. <laughs> is that a wiggle song? I reckon it is. Rub Rub Tummy Tummy Bum Bum. Yeah, in the big red car. Rub Rub Tummy Tummy Bum Bum in the big red car. I think that's a different... Uh, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't go Googling that, mate. You might end up with some you know, dodgy car parks where you... you know, Ooh, no, I don't want to do that. No, no, you don't want to end up with that, with that at all. Um, no. you know, one thing that, uh, that did... Come up over uh, over Christmas and New Year's, but um, I and I was hoping to be able to present it with you, but uh, the kids couldn't find where it was. Uh, Christina got tapped on the shoulder by someone at the off league dog park, saying, "Do you mind if I take a picture of your dog?" And Christina's gone, "Yeah, no, that's fine." She's gone because I'm doing a uh, a calendar for all the local dogs at uh, at the down at the off league dog park in Parkdale. W- was and- she in her fireman's outfit at this stage? Uh, she wasn't, no, but she was wrapped up in a red blanket because Christina said, oh, hang on, let me tap, I'll, I'll send you through, um, I'll, I'll look for a picture of her on my phone. And you know, when you, before you have kids, when you've got your pets, right, yeah. and every photo is of your pet, yeah, right? Yes. All right, and then, so so for us, it was Parker and Melvin, every photo was of Parker and Melvin. Then Rosie came along, every photo was of Rosie. Then the kids came along. 
and literally Christina had to go through six months of photos and couldn't find a picture of the dog anywhere. Yeah, you know? yes, it sounds so, right. Um, so she had to take a few. So Rosie got in the uh, got in Pippi's Pooches of Parkdale calendar three times. Wow, the kids were very wrapped. They um, so they went from sort of tell, trying to tell everyone about how impressive it is that their dad does a podcast, so that their dog ended up in a uh, in a dog calendar. So she was Miss January, July, and November. Is that right? Uh, I, I believe it was March. March, June, and uh, and November. So, yeah, yeah that's there you go. impressive, but, but mate. But it's like you know, there was hundreds of pictures in there, including you know, uh, there's uh, the, the the famous dogs of the the area, you know, Wilbur and um, and uh, uh, Wilbur and Winona. You and know, the cats um, Rum Tum Tiki Bum Bugger. No, there was no, there's no there's no Rum Tum Tiki Tiki Bum Bums. <laughs> They were. That's a surprise. But Believe I, it or not, I mean, they might have, but they, they didn't have their names there, Lewis. So, so oh. maybe, maybe you could convince yourself that some of them were rub tub tiki tiki bum bum. Did she have the little the black over the eyes? So it was a sort of incognito photo. Was that was that you know? So she couldn't be identified. Uh, no, well, it wasn't a Crime Stoppers. It wasn't Crime Stoppers. No, they pixelated out her face because, you know, they say, yeah, this is Rosie. Her, her owner's a vet, so we can't show you her face in a calendar, you know. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, well, this is the start of our punchy podcast, mate. Absolutely. We got into it. Well, and we one, just other, one other thing I wanted to punch out, just from where we were talking about the uh, the Cat Lovers show before, um, you know, our... Uh, um, uh, our, our good mate with uh, Terence Trent Darby with the uh, uh, with the cat grass, right? I thought dead for certain our catnip was dead, D E D dead, like it had dried up, was horrible. And I thought for the fun of it, I'm just going to keep watering this thing. And I tell you what, Lazarus, it has come back. Really, this cat grass cannot be killed. It is it is crazy. My tomatoes aren't growing. I'm not getting any strawberries. <laughs> yeah. but I tell you what, I can grow catnip like it's nothing else. Really, so it just keep keeps keeping more and more. Just dying keep, just off. Keep, and comes back. Diana comes back, mate. I just can't believe it. So, that, so it's some really A one catnip that uh, that our mate Terence grows. Well, that's a poor, poor business model, really, isn't it? It is a very poor <laughs> business model. It's just going to keep growing off, and then you got to try and buy it back again. That's right, exactly. Yeah. Oh, well, very good, mate. Good to hear. That's a little plug. Are we sponsored by them. Uh well, no. You know, I mean, if any, anything we can help him. He's a big guy, and if ever I see him down the street, I, don't, I want him to pat me on the shoulder, not you know, punch me. He, he sells great stuff. It's great cat grass. Fantastic. But we are sponsored by Zilkin, aren't we? We sure are. Yes. My, my, a little capsule form. Yes. Uh, milk derivative, great for those mildly anxious cats and dogs. Yes. Uh, could have used it over over New Year's Eve, perhaps if your dog or cat had some fireworks phobias. Well, I actually was speaking to a client today about um, about Zilkin. He's taking his cats on a very long drive to South Australia. Right. And so he was saying, "What can I use to try? You know, can I use something to try and help to calm my cats down?" And I said, "Well, you know what? Anything that we give is probably not going to last that long." Yep. And you know, you don't know what sort of effect it's going to have. But tell you what, Zilkeen might help. Yeah. So we sent them home with some Zilkeen, two little Abyssinians. So they've gone home with some Zilkeen to start on now, get them started 10 days beforehand. Yeah. Uh, have it for the trip and then uh, for while they're over there on holiday. Awesome. So it only needs to about three or four days, mate. But 10 days, that's, that's they, they got conservative. The, I'm, 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 I'm splitting, a, splitting a thing, so they're going to have 30 days worth. So I go, get some before, get some after. Nice. They've got some dodgy cats hanging around next door, maybe Rum Tum Tugger and his mates. <laughs> That's right. Hanging around next door, yeah, some cats of disrepute. <laughs> so I'm right. going to try and help out the poor little abbies. Miss Miss March in the calendar, Miss, Mr. and Mrs. March hanging around. Well, well, then it's, in Parkdale. Yeah, yeah. Then there's also then filling up for April and May and June because it started off as two cats, and I think the the two cats might be one of them might have been a rum tum tugger, and then uh, ended up they've got there's a whole there's a whole cast. You know, right. yes, yeah, no human hands in there at all, all just little baby kitten hands. Fantastic, and also we're sponsored by Delicate Care, aren't we? Delicate care, Delicate yes. care, yeah, mate. So they've got a good range of foods, haven't they? They sure do. What do they got? Uh, they, 
they've got they've they've got some sensitive stomach. Sensitive stomach uh, made from duck and kangaroo. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. So, and uh, really good for those cats and dogs that have got uh, maybe skin allergies or um, needing to do a diet trial exactly, or something like that. Yep. Exactly. Fantastic. And I was uh, interesting during the look, listening to a webinar from Dr. Danny Houlihan about yes. uh, about skin problems in cats. Right. Talking about a dietary trial be perfect for that sort of thing for those cats that have got skin problems. Yes. Eight week dietary trial really good on the uh, on the uh, on the Dental and digest for the cats, especially for the fact that it's if it's a novel protein because yes. that's what you're aiming for when mm. you're trying to do a uh, a food trial. It's got to be a protein that they haven't seen before because you're trying to make sure that their immune system has not got pre-existing antibodies to it. Exactly, so, and she was recommending the kangaroo. So, um, so uh, so there's plenty of that in in the in the food. There you go, fantastic. And, and so uh, I hope that's a kangaroo that's bouncing, mate, and you're not trying to. Rum tum. Yeah, I was going to say it. What? Hey. All righty. And also a Patreon sponsor. We've got a new Patreon sponsor. Hey. This came on a couple of weeks ago. Terrific. Uh, Bianca Carter. Thank you very much, Bianca. And I think I might know Bianca. Oh, wow. We uh, we used to sail together down at the Safety Beach Sailing Club. Oh, really? On the Morning's morning Peninsula. Yeah, yeah, Morning's right. Peninsula there. So, big shout out to Bianca. Good Thank to hear from you. Thank you very much, me. Bianca. I don't think I've spoken to her in probably, could be 20 years, Apart maybe? from 92 episodes worth. Well, that's right. We've, I mean, we've been chatting the whole time. The whole time. It's just been a one-way conversation. One way, which is what it what probably would have been initially with with Bianca. No, 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 no. no she's quite chatty. Oh, well, that's uh, yeah. good. Oh, well, perhaps I was a bit shy. I don't remember, oh, really. Yeah, hard to say. It was a long time ago. It was a long time ago, but yeah. we used to have good fun uh, down at the yacht club. So, big shout. Thank you very much, Bianca. And, and if any other of Lewis's uh, uh, sailing <laughs> friends would like to join us on Patreon, hey. you can go and have a look at, uh, at us on patreon.com. Search for Two Vets Talk Pets and you can sign up too. Helps us to keep the lights on. Uh, you know, keeps Lewis in his, uh, in his cat makeup. And, My uh, Commodore outfit sitting here. Your Commodore outfit, yeah, 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 my yeah, sailing your Commodore, sailing with a little hat, hat. sort stuff. Yes, yeah, exactly, yeah, and yeah, little your cravat, your little Popeye pipe, my sailing sort of yeah, boat shoes, nice, those things. Yeah, no, and uh, and there's a stick, pants. There's a sticker on the way for Bianca too. Good so if you want Bianca. a sticker, you need to get onto Patreon and sign up and That's, support us. It's that simple. That simple. Fantastic. Now, what's been happening this week? Oh, I've got the news, haven't I? Yeah. Well, you've, you were going to start with the news. Do you well, want to go with that? Well, you, yeah. Well, you were mentioning uh, that you had two cats going to South Australia. Yes. Um, by car. And that's probably a good thing at the moment because there have been a couple of incidents that have occurred uh, with Qantas and unfortunately some animals, some dogs on planes that have had some issues. So this is, um, this is the first uh, one from the Daily ter- Telegraph. Yes, ter- um, the Telegraph. The Telegraph. Yeah. Uh, Qantas has ruled out vet hosties and specially designed cargo holds after a small dog died on a routine flight. Oh. Anthony Balletta boarded his year-old bulldog Frank on QF405 from Sydney to Melbourne in a crate. But Frank died during the short flight. Oh, jeez. Terribly distressing. We've got a photo of Frank there. Look, he's, he's, a, he's very cute. Oh, the bulldog. Yeah, very yes. cute, yep. cute bulldog. Um, but unfortunately, he didn't, he didn't make it on the flight. When we landed in Melbourne, they told me what had happened. He was in his crate, all small and helpless. I just broke down. Yeah, right. The bulldog, Where was he flying from, sorry? Uh, Sydney to Melbourne. Sydney to Melbourne. Jeez, it's only a short flight. It too. is a short flight, but, but a bulldog, mate. Yeah, we might talk about that a little bit. I think that would be a good idea. The bulldog had already proved he could handle being on a plane when he was flown up to Sydney by his breeder as a pup. Yeah, now, yeah, that doesn't really mean a lot. No, I mean if you've got a puppy, the, the issue I guess is is it's brachycephalic. Yes, you know, yep. it's got the pushed in nose. 
Potentially as a one-year-old, it looks like he's carrying a bit more weight maybe as well, and that right. can affect the breathing too. So certainly if as a puppy they're breathing okay, they can in a year's time, which sounds like Frank was, the yeah. breathing can be worse. And yes. so they're, they're certainly much more of a risk on planes. Absolutely, yeah. Um, definitely. So, And possibly maybe when the pup went the last time it was cooler. Yes. Whereas yep. it is hotter now, and and, uh, and certainly the heat affects them more, partic- particularly on the planes. Yeah. Um, and and also they've got the the brachycephalic, they've got the long soft palate, the the nose is, is constricted Stenotic as well. Nares, yes, exactly. Yep, yep. So so maybe you need some boas surgery as well. But yep. it's, it's a terrible thing to have happen. But yeah. But um, probably really good idea that we sort of talk about it. Mr. Boletta said he understood that being a snub nose breed, the bulldog could have trouble breathing, and he wants airlines to fly who fly dogs in the cargo holds to have trained vets to be with them in case they take ill. Now, are you putting up your hand for that, mate? Uh, I'm going to say no. Um, you can be- not going in the jump seat? No, I'm not going to go in the jump seat. I've seen um, the, uh, the the movie, um, oh, what's the one with Nicolas Cage, the one where he's... Um, snakes on a plane? No, no, no. That's the one with Samuel L. Jackson. Get these snakes uh, off the... Um, um, con, con Air. Con Air, con air yeah, con, is the one. He's got yes. the whole oh, oh, yes. in his hand. Um, Love that movie. Put the bonnet back in the box. <laughs> um, so, so there's a, there's a vet in Melbourne that looks like that guy. That we got. He's oh. got the whole... I don't oh, Steve Hashimi? You know. No. Yes. Oh, no, you'll have to tell me off air so we don't have to I think it. the vet knows. Oh, the vet, I'm uh, sure the vet does know. That he looks like him. Yeah. But no, we won't say the name. No, anyway. Good. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, so I've, I've seen what happens in the cargo holds, you know, on Con Air, and I'm sure that that's a documentary. Um, no, <laughs> I'm uh, sure they don't muzzle them uh, like I, they did that guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would think that that... Yeah, I mean that's unrealistic. Yeah, imagine, it? imagine how much it's going to cost to try and get a vet on a cargo hold, and what's the vet going to do? Are they going to say, "Yeah, hang on, look, this dog's having a brachycephalic um, respiratory episode. Quick, land the plane." Well, in not, let, let, let's ground the plane because the dog's having some trouble breathing. Yes, but exactly, what are we going to do? Well, if we're in a clinic setting, we'd intubate the dog, we'd yep. cool it down, we put it on oxygen. Really don't think that's possible. You need a nurse to kind of do that in a way. You and need an anesthetic assistance. machine. Yeah. You need to you need to have um set up to be able to do a tracheostomy yeah. in case you can't get a yeah. um, get an airway. It's um, not really possible, is no, it? You know, no, not it's, at all. It's quite a setup that you'd have to have. So but Qantas says it's had no plans to have vets in the cargo hold as it would mean redesigning the planes. Well, possibly I suppose if you're going to have vets on on planes, then you're having looking at getting medical people on every plane as well. Although there's often a doctor on a plane, I suppose, but yeah, Qantas yeah. refunded Mr. Boletta the freight costs and said a review found there was no mishandling of the dog. We can understand for Mr. Boletta and his family that's what occurred is very distressing, a, po- a spokesman said on Sunday. So you think, all right, that's the end of it. Done. Yeah, move but, on to the next story. Don't we, tell me there's been another yeah, one. There's been another one in the Sydney Morning Herald. Yep. Qantas apologises after dog death on a plane. This one's a little bit, yeah, a little bit different, I suppose. A woman has been left distraught after a dog died while being transported on a flight from Sydney to Brisbane. Yeah. So, again, a short flight. Kay Newman said that her boxer, so, again, brachycephalic breed. Short nose, yeah, yep. Named Duke was left on the tarmac with no shade for more than an hour after a flight was delayed. Mm. On December 19, when it was close to 40 degrees in Sydney, Ms. Newman voiced her concerns. The airline was assured Duke would be outside for only a few minutes. Airline procedure is to load animals last and unload them first, which I didn't know that was the case. Ms. Newman said she was given permission to wait with Duke in the air-conditioned office until the last possible minute before he was placed in his crate for the flight. Fair enough. That sounds sounds like a good idea. Um, 
when I arrived at the boarding gates, I could see Duke's Kate crate, sorry, already on the tarmac. I'm not sure how. So this is in 40 degrees. Yeah, out yeah. In the sun. I'm not sure how long he'd on, already. It's tarmac, so it's asphalt, so hot. it's damn mm. hot. Yeah. I'm not sure how long he'd already been there, but as I watched, five, ten, fifteen minutes passed, and he was still out there in the crate in that heat. I alerted Qantas staff of my concerns over Duke being out of the heat, but I was assured that he was fine and would be loaded shortly. She said she became extremely distressed and she started to cry, only to be told via a phone call to the ground crew that her dog was fine. When she landed in Brisbane, her worst fears were realised. So, ability of ground crew to assess uh, breathing uh, ability, uh, dogs being fine in a crate? Yeah. Mm. Not their bag, baby, no, really. No, that's not their... That shouldn't be on them to be uh, no. to, to be trying to make that assessment. No. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And then uh, there was an unexpected delay with the flight, which meant he was on the tarmac for longer than usual. Um, and the bag, but our baggage handlers said Duke was fine when he was loaded onto the aircraft, said the Qantas, um, Qantas spokesman. Mm. It is Qantas policy to limit flights for dogs such as boxers, pugs and bulldogs to five hours and the airline requires a waiver to be signed if one of these breeds is to be flown for more than that time. Snub-nosed dogs can suffer from respiratory issues, which means they're higher risk when travelling by air. Well, we, yep. we said that, and particularly in summer too. Miss Newman rejected this assertion, saying that any breed of dog would have perished under those conditions. Well, that's a possibility. Speculation, yeah, that's speculation. But, yeah. but forty degrees for it's going to be fifteen crap. minutes. That's yeah. not good in a crate. Yeah, uh, especially if the when dog's you're stressed. stressed too. Yeah, yeah. And the Qantas, Qantas staff did not exercise their duty of care or common sense and treated her dog as though it was luggage. My poor boy suffered. My poor boy suffered a terrible death because he was left out in the tarmac by Qantas baggage handlers in the searing heat whilst they loaded all the passengers' luggage and post parcels. His death was a hundred percent preventable. I think it does throw up some issues. I mean, horrible yeah. that, is, that, is a, that it has occurred. And it's about, you know, should brachycephalic dogs be travelling in summer exactly. on planes? Yes. You know, yeah, if yeah. that's the sort of thing that is going to occur, you know, they're going to die on the plane or they're going to die on the tarmac yeah. or, or in the heat, should they only be travelling in the winter months? Um, and should they uh, should they be travelling in planes? Should they, you know, is there a? I mean, it, it throws up a lot of variables, uh, and I think the it's all about it's all about risk, isn't it? And risk mitigation, and it's not as simple as just chucking your dog on the plane and it'll it'll come out the other side. I think you really need to be thinking, and realistically, it's probably on the airlines as well that they need to come up with better policies of what sort of dogs fly when. Um, and probably looking at trying to get waivers and things like that signed. Like I had to um, sign a, um, a fit-to-fly certificate for a dog the other day, a 15-year-old Jack Russell um, that was flying up to Darwin. Now, um, this little dog's owner had moved to Darwin. You can't, you know, you're not going to have the dog fly up there, um, you know, sorry, drive up there because the owner was, was flying up. Yeah. So it was the only way it was going to get there. But, I, you know, I had to say in the certificate, look, I... From my examination, I can't find anything on this dog that is going to potentiate the fact that it might die, but I can't predict yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah. And the owner and the airline have to accept that there are potential risks because it's an old dog. So Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's the difficulty we have, I think, is we get a lot of people, you know, or not a lot of people, but especially when I do exports for overseas, yeah. often when you travel overseas, a brachycephalic does need a, um, does need a certificate. And routinely... We tend to say you need to go and have the the surgery on the airways before yep. we will sign off, and we need a specialist to assess it and say yep. before we'll fly them overseas. 
does does create an issue though if you're flying internally or even if you're flying overseas now to say, well, if the dog doesn't come with me, I'm going to euthanize the dog or yeah. it's going to go to a kennel, uh, to a, uh, a pound or something like yes. that where it's, there's that emotional thing like, all right, so there's a, a, dog, a chance this dog doesn't go with the owner, it's not going to find another home or potentially, yeah. you know, so you've got a real emotional aspect to it, to, Absolutely. which puts a lot of pressure on us to be able yeah. to say, yeah, I want that 15-year-old Jack Russell to go because it's, you know, with its owner is the best chance for it. Mm. Yeah, there's a risk of it dying on the flight and there's, it's a low risk, but, you it's know. It's a real risk. Yeah. It, you know, yeah. Um, but if it stays at home, it's, yeah. is it, what's the chance of it finding another home? Yeah, you know, absolutely. You know, not going with the owner. So it's, it's a really difficult situation, I think, yeah. to, to be in. And, and often I'll say to owners, it's particularly in summer, you've got to drive that dog. You know, even if you're going to Darwin, yeah. there's no two ways about it. You've got to drive. Take him, you know, at least you can look after him, know he's going to get there all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. a tough call, but yeah. Now, and, and I think the the big thing there is that um, with those two cases is, as you say, that they are brachycephalic dogs and you need to take care with those dogs. They are not normally sh- shaped breathing animals. So, therefore, you know, you need to be able to make a make some sort of an assessment. So. Yeah, 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 definitely. But yeah, really tragic scenario. But but um, but I think a little bit of lesson for all the listeners out there. You need to have a really good think about you taking your, your um taking your snake on the plane. I mean, your dog on the plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and uh, further on from what you're talking about with uh with animals overheating, I found a um a, a article from um ABC in Tasmania um from the Royal Automobile Club of Tasmania. Uh, looking at their 2019 report. Um, they responded to uh, to 99 calls for children trapped in hot cars, 126 calls for pets in hot cars, wow. and 16 for adults. <laughs> 16 for adults? Quite in hot cars. Oh, surely they're locked in. They're probably locked in Locked there. in. When the, you know, did you ever have that? I don't know if you have that. I've got automatic locking on my Mazda. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, when I go to the shops, it automatically locks, and Debbie will be sitting there you know, reading the paper or something, and then it's like locked, and... Um, brings me. Uh, you got to got to come back, Lewis. I can't get out of the car. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, uh, all the animals and people escaped uninjured, but the RACT's oh. Stacy Pennicott warned temperatures in park vehicles could be up to forty degrees Celsius hotter than outside. That is absolutely, you know, yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's exactly forty, but it's bloody hot. You know, oh, really it gets hot quickly. Hot. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's actually quite easy to do to lock your keys in the car or accidentally lock yourself out of the car. But if you've got children and pets in particular in a vehicle, you really need to be aware of that, she said. Just take them out of the vehicle no matter how long you'll think you'll be away for. Mrs. Pennicott said people who see animals or children in, trapped in parked vehicles should call the police. Right. There you go. That's according to, you know, RAC. T. Yeah, so you yeah. don't smash the window yourself. Don't smash the window yourself. No. That's probably not great. Call the police. Call the police. Let them. But I think people do do that. What's they? that? Smash the window. I think they do, and then and then get all kinds of irate with people when they're when they're you know when they come back. Yeah, they would, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I it's, imagine, especially you smash the window and they come back ten seconds later. <laughs> and, and like, oops. Oh well. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Do you, you call the police? Okay, that's interesting. Because I, I don't know if you call the police, is that number? The police going to do anything? I well, is know. that number one on their priority? It's like you know, we're, and it'd have to be low on the other priority. Yeah, there'd have to be nothing else yeah, going on. You'd think um, so, wouldn't you? I mean, love animals. Don't want any to suffer in the car. But, absolutely, yeah. But is it police priority? RSPCA, maybe. I don't know yeah. what they do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they could send an inspector out, but then they probably have to call the police, and the police would go, sorry, we've got, you know, a meth lab that we're trying to, uh, trying right. to shake down oh, here. A domestic argument, something serious. Oh, oh, something, something, actually. Well, well, not that the dogs. Yes, caught in, no. Not that dogs caught in cars are not serious, Lewis. We are animal lovers, first yes. and foremost, but yeah. they're probably more important, possibly. Yeah, things. yeah. So just don't lock your dogs in the car. No, that's right. Yeah. Take or the, your kids, yeah. or your adults. Yeah. 
let, De- let Deb out of the car, <laughs> you know, so she can check her phone outside of there before you, you know, go into, you know, go and get your hair done. Yeah, my hair done. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Of all the things you think I get done, I thought you might say my nails, but no, it's my hair. I, 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 I didn't want to make the assumption that you're going to go in and getting a, getting a waxing job, you know, ready for, you know, when, you, when you're getting done up as Rum Tum Tugger. Right. Thanks, mate. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> all uh, Disclaimer time. Um, all advice on this show is generally in nature, so please consult your veterinarian before following any advice for your pet. We do our best to provide the most up-to-date information as veterinary medicine is continually advancing and changing. Please let us know if you missed anything or if you need any clarification. What do you got for us, Lewis? Well, mate, I've got an article that... Blows my mind. Yeah, I love it. This this is this is real me nerding up on behaviour stuff, nice. mate. And so it might actually bore the listeners and you. Senseless. That's fine. That's fine. We- I'm fully awake. I'm 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 charged. Are you sure? Yeah, no, but, but let's see how we go. Yeah. Is that is that you, mate? Absolutely. That might be the listeners at the end of it, but this is amazing. So this just sell it, mate. It doesn't right. matter what it is. It's all in how you sell it. Just so, sell it hard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well. Oh, this was a... Uh, That's no. not selling it hard. No, it's not, yeah. is it? No, no. no. this... Uh, so there was a... Uh, this, this is an article, that yeah. got an opinion from Cell Press. I don't know. Trends in ecology and evolution. That sounds pretty deep. I'm selling it already, aren't nice. I? Nice. I'm, I'm intrigued. You'd be right on top of this. Yeah. It's, it's entitled, The History of Farm Foxes Undermines the Animal Domestication Syndrome. Right. Yeah. Now, yeah, okay. Hang on. Yes. yes I yeah, know yeah. you're thinking that. But this is this is amazing. So it's some big hitters. There's Raymond Coppinger in there. Have you right. heard of Raymond Coppinger? No, right. I haven't. So he's a Who big... Who did he play in Cats? Big wig, <laughs> behaviourist guy. Okay, Not yeah. Caesar Milan, he's better than that. Yeah, he's right. actually, de- you know... Genuine. Yeah, yeah and won't sue us because yeah, we're well, saying good. it's good. Yeah. But he... So uh, they've done a review on this, uh, the Russian farm fox experiment. Right. Now... Uh, I'm unfamiliar with that. You are unfamiliar with That's yeah. good, mate, because this really fascinated me when I was studying behaviour, when I was yeah. doing my behaviour degree. And it's best known as the experimental study that um, uh, that introduced the concept of the domestic of domesticated animals, right. of the domestication syndrome. So the domestication syndrome is a suite of behavioural and morphological characteristics consistently observed in domestic populations. Right. So changes in the look and the behaviour of animals that make them domestic, make okay. them hang around with humans. Yeah. First described in animals, although not named as such, by one Charles Darwin. Ah. Yeah. So right. linked to Charles there. Yeah. Uh, and the term itself coined by bottom, botanist, botanist, bot, botanist, <laughs> rub tag bot, bomb bomb, botanists in the early In his night. big red car. Yeah. Charlie, his big red boat, Charles Darwin. That's good to say his big red bum is like an orangutan. A corn by botanist in the early 1900. Right. And was applied to animals in the 1980s. Now, the Russian farm fox experiment. Yawning already, mate. I am, yes. That was a big yawn. That's because now I'm ready, I'm charged. The Russian farm fox experiment is widely cited as as a demonstration that domestic syndrome exists. Right. And that domestication results from selection on tameness with clear changes in behaviour and morphology appearing rapidly. So basically, this guy, Dr. Dmitry Believ. Right. Russian guy. Yeah. He got this project where he got 30 male foxes. Yes. Wild foxes, supposedly wild foxes, and 100 female foxes um, from uh, Soviet U, uh, Soviet fur farms, so for farming for fur. Yep. And he selectively bred them in Russia for the foxes that were less fearful when a hand was inserted in the cage. Right. So he put a hand in the cage, and yep. if the, the fox approached the hand, yes, they picked that fox and said, "Right, you're going to breed the next pair." Right. And what they found, 
that over 10 generations of selection of, of foxes like this, wild foxes, he, produ- he produced foxes who craved human attention. Right. And exhibit a range of unconnected phenotypes. So unconnected looks. So didn't look like foxes anymore. Right. Floppy ears, turned up tails, pie-balled coats. So black and white black coats. Black and white coats, yeah. Die estrus rep- reproductive cycles. So foxes are seasonal reproductive. So they oh. only mate during, I guess, spring. Yes, yeah. Whereas these ones after 10 generations were just ro- uh, cycling every six months, you know, twice a year. Yes, similar to what dogs would do. Exactly. Normally, yeah. And later, shorter and... Uh, uh, sorry, shorter and wider faces. So essentially, honestly, photos after ten generations, they went from looking like foxes to looking like border collies, weird-looking border collies. Really? So that's where Foxy people, collies. Yeah. So people said, right, well, if in ten generations he's turned a fox from a wild animal, yeah, into a domesticated tame animal that can interact with humans, that's proof that domestication can work. That yes. shows that it works. So for a long time, that's what's been the proof that domestication exists. So, what, um, uh, hang on, let me see, I've just lost where I am. Uh, breeding foxes. Yes, breeding foxes. Border collies. So, but this is where it gets, in, it gets interesting. Oh, nice. Yes. So, uh, so there's a widespread misconception that he started with wild foxes. Right. Oh. Yeah. Now, the issue is it didn't. Uh Bella, came, they came from uh, a well, fur farm. Well, just wait. Oh, Be- Believ himself accurately described the founders as fur farm foxes, but referred to unselected population as wild controls, contributing to this misconception. In reality, experiments started with a fox population from eastern Canada that had been right. captive and purpose-bred since the late 1800s. Right. Something that Believ and his colleagues may have initially been unaware of. Right. The history of the farm fox population undermines a commonly repeated narrative that a suite of domestication syndrome traits emerged solely as a result of selecting on tameness, selecting foxes who approach the human hand. Yes. Um, so f- there is no... Uh, so the foxes initially came from Prince Edward Island fur farms and later had this behavioural selection in Russia. Uh, and what they found that what they think happened is because it was such a small population that he chose from, it meant there were big changes in the in the behaviour of the foxes over a really quick period of time. Yeah, okay. So essentially, uh, I've just had another reference there. Where's it gone to? Uh, so, uh, so essentially, the these Canadian farm fox population originated from the mid nineteenth century where the fur industry was confronting a supply crisis. So fur, fur traders anxious to overcome their reliance on wild-caught animals um, and had trouble breeding the foxes in captivity until they made the... The domesticate or the... the no, no, until they made... In, this in Canada, until oh. they made the cages more... Um, more um, wildlike, like larger cages oh, okay. yes. with hollows and logs. More, more and like their normal environment. Exactly. Yeah. It means they would, they would then start breeding in captivity. So they did this in 1887. Right. Charles Dalton, not Darwin, yep. uh, was convinced by his mate Robert Ulton to make Fox's environment more natural. And they had their first, by 1883, they had their first breeding pair. And four years later, they started the fir- first fox farm with two breeding pairs. So they've started initially two already. They monopolized the markers. Uh, they monopolized the market for the next three decades. So initially, from the start, the foxes were actually selected yeah. on this Canadian farm for appearance and behavior. Dalton bred jet black foxes, while Ulton favored white, white, 
ones. Well, we found no reports of intentional selection for affiliative behaviour, so being liking nearing, nearing being humans. Yep. Um, uh, contemporary experts linked docility to improved fecundity, improved more, they had more babies. Yes, yeah. If they were more docile and more happy to approach humans. I remember the fecundity, fecundancy uh, uh, words from uh, our uni when they were talking about how well you know nice. animals start to make little animals and the the foxes on the prince on the in the canadian farm were unusually friendly Right. By 1913... As, Canadi- as you'd expect from Canadians. They're very friendly people. Very friendly. And hey. foxes too. Very friendly foxes. By 1930, breeding pairs sold for an equivalent of US half a million dollars each Whoa. today. Oh, that's some good money there. Jeez. For your border collie. Whiz. That's a That's a good money, isn't it? In 1928, Leo Frank uh, supplied 65 pairs of, of those foxes. To a Russian fur farm industry. So they're already selected right. for being tame already yes. from, from this Russian thing. So thus the Russian farm fossil experiment started with foxes distended for a population of unusually friendly Canadian foxes. A, f- a phenomenon that Believ accentuated by prefer- preferentially including exceptionally calm foxes. Right. So there's already so, so that he, selection he, process. Yeah, he'd selected intensively on an already intensively selected group. Exactly. So this history reframes the behavioural selection in the farm fox experiment and explains the rapid behavioural change within 10 generations yeah. that he saw. Studying dogs saw change within just three generations after starting with uh, founders, so the initial pairing, exhibiting the trait of nervousness. And that was a study in German short hair pointers. That you can actually select for nervousness in, was in German short hair pointers, and you can get that trait within three generations. Yeah, really, right. really interesting study. That's a separate study. Might talk about that another time. Believ himself did a rat experiment with rats that liked living close to humans. Um, and found significant behavioural changes occurred within 13 generations in rats that already liked living near humans. Yeah, okay. He found that, yep, they they uh, they changed a lot, you know, became pets, essentially, domesticated yes. within 13. When he started with a wild population of river otter, otters, okay, or yes. for the Latin speakers out there, the Lutra Lutra. Lutra Lutra. Lutra Lutra. Or the, the uh, foxes are, I think they're Vulpus Vulpus. Yes, okay. Yes, but the Lutra Lutra, unaccustomed to people, so wild river otters... Few bred successfully in captivity, and the experiment was discontinued. So true wild animals yep. didn't seem to become domesticated. Right. So this has blown up yeah. the whole theory. And the final thing they say is the farm fox experiment does not validate the domestication syndrome. Bang. Wow. Mic drop. Charles Darwin. There you go. He had it all wrong. He can't even, he's not even alive to uh, to refuse it. No, just get back on your beagle, mate. Yeah, or wonder if Belliev's still alive. Maybe not. Well, maybe not, you know, not in that sort of time frame. Anyway, um, anyway how about that? Uh, Are you bored? No, that's that. I, I can see why that would have um, you know, floated your particular behaviour. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. You know, right I mean, that's um, you know, that's uh, yeah, that's right in your wheelhouse. Um, so so from that, are they then saying so? Still got no idea, sort of how and why. I mean, obviously, with that the farm fox experiment, that it was from a very sort of narrow selection and. I guess, you know, using as, as river otters, is that just because river otters just in general don't like people as much as what foxes do? You well, know, I think rats do. It's it doesn't a, really prove the domestication syndrome doesn't exist. It just 
doesn't prove that it does exist, you know. So it still might be a process that it obviously occurs over time somehow that we had to have some animals that became domesticated, like cows liking, you know, hanging around with us and yeah. sheep liking hanging around with us. How did that occur? Well, we believe, do believe it's by selection over time. Yeah, yeah. But this farm fox experiment was one that was able to say, look, here we go. We started with these wild animals that and, now, just and now they're domesticated. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's not really true because they didn't start as wild animals. Yeah, right. So amazing. I really love that article. Really, yeah, really yeah. just blew blows up yeah right um so if you've got any questions about it don't ask me because it's, it's confusing <laughs> so but how, how did that go at journal club mate was everyone uh pretty pretty impressed with that it, you know? it hasn't come to journal club oh! but it's, it's definitely on the oh, i reckon it's on the cards oh yeah mate yeah you, you drop drop that like a big uh, big sack of potatoes well, marika lay she'd be she'd be she'd be tonguing to talk about that one. Oh yeah yeah, yeah, mar- yeah. Uh, behaviorist good friend to- good totally friend, than marika. a roman sandal to get in there and get you know just break that one apart get her teeth reckon. around really read and deep oh. into get into the stats oh. marika loves the stats Does she? Yeah, oh, no fantastic no, no, we don't like the stats. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> so there you go, mate. That is that is my my news for the week. Or my article good. for the week. Good. I like it. Yeah, good yeah, topic. It's good. Um, now, uh, do we have anything in the mail bag? We do, mate. Now yes. I got a a question during the week. Hey, mate. Vet question for you. Nice little hint there. Yeah. A client is having a baby in September. Oh, hello. I thought, hang on a sec. If there's yeah, anyone who knows a bit Cha-ching. About, knows a little bit about this. Kids, we're reading again this week. Daddy's selling <laughs> another book. Woo. What's the book called, mate? Uh, how to tell your vet you're pregnant. Close. How to tell your dog you're a vet. Tell your dog. You're pregnant. You're pregnant. Yes. Essential guide. Yep. The dog owners who are expecting a baby. Yes. And there's well, a cat version too. Thanks, mate. Well, it's not, it's not that essential. I mean, the essential book comes from before that and how they got pregnant in the first place, surely. Really? <laughs> <laughs> if you need a, if you need a, uh, a no, book on that. No, there's nothing to do with rum tum tiki tugger, mate. So don't, that's, that's a separate issue. <laughs> nothing to do with ca- ca- how koalas get chlamydia. That's totally unrelated. So I'm quite... Just got to clap really hard, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> clap twice. Yeah. <laughs> A client is having a baby in September and asked me what is the best time for them to get a new puppy Oh, before the baby arrives or after. They just had their old dog euthanase last week due to heart disease. Right. Just wanted to see what your thought from your experience. Thanks. Cheers, Willow. Oh, DW. Yes, friend nice. of the pod, Willow. Yeah. Thanks, mate. Giving us content. Fantastic. That's good yeah. stuff. Always appreciate it. And I didn't get back to him for a week. And he sent me, <laughs> he sent me another email. Yeah. Said, uh, text. Uh, did you get that text message? Oh, yeah, that one. Sure, well, Will- mate. Willow's, Willow's not the most uh, you know, sort of on top of with text at the Isn't best he? of time. No, Is no, he no, still a bit slow? Oh, sometimes. It depends. Oh, no, I, I find straight back to him. Oh, mate. yeah, no, oh. that's right. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. He's a busy man, Willow. He's, he's, he keeps on trying to get you to answer his text message. That's why he doesn't answer mine. <laughs> yeah, he only wants to answer it from me when he asks me a question. <laughs> That's when he answered me quick. So, mate, I thought I'd throw it over to you. What's your thoughts? Uh, so, we had this experience when uh, we were getting Rosie in that Christina was pregnant. I thought you were saying when you were getting Reuben. No. no. Rosie. No, no. No, no. We, had, we hadn't we hadn't got Reuben at that stage, but we, we were... Pre- uh, well, we were... Christina Practicing. Was. No, 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 no. The, the the delivery had been made, and she Camille was uh, was was gestating. You know, at that stage she was the uh, the the pie, the pie in the tummy. So, right. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so she was... Um, uh, so Christina must have been, oh geez, I reckon about eight weeks pregnant and we were thinking, man, if we're going to get a dog, we're going to have to get a dog now right? Or, or so soon so that we can try and get it trained up enough so that then we can uh, justifiably ignore it once the kids come along. Um, That's my issue there, the ignoring. Yeah, yeah. Yes. No, no, no we're, we're in, uh, I've, I've facetious with that, but um, we, we knew that right, well, if we could get the dog, 
get her trained up um, and then establish a routine that we were going to be able to maintain then before the when the baby came, as in me going out and doing obedience with the dog, Christina taking short walks with her, um, that then it would be uh, yeah, it'd be a seamless transition. It worked well for us you, because you, we had that plan. You must have read my book, mate. That that is I think that's chapter three of the book. Is it? Really? You just word for word. That's Fantastic. amazing. Fantastic. What's the book called again? Uh, how to tell your vet wife <laughs> that she's pregnant and then what to do with the dog. When yeah. to get a dog when, when you're when pregnant. When to get a dog when you're pregnant, yeah. Very good, mate. Um, so, so yeah, so uh, it's that sort of, Hey, thank you very, very much. Good. Uh, so, is that sort of align with your... Well... I mean, obviously, you've got to be concerned that you're going to be able to pay the dog the right amount of attention once a baby comes, because your life changes. Well, that's the thing. That's my biggest issue, is anyone getting a, a pet around baby due time is the, the time that's involved. I mean, yeah. we've all had kids. Yes. We know how much time a kid can can uh, can take, particularly yes. when they're a baby. I mean, you might have a beautiful baby, sleeps perfectly, you've got plenty of time, no worries. Yeah. But unlikely, yeah, perhaps. Yeah. You know, often you've got one that take, takes up a lot of your time. And I guess my issue, you know, September, we're looking sort of nine months, um, eight months away that the baby's due. So I guess if you're looking at getting a puppy, it'd be in the next month or so. So the puppy's going to be maybe eight months old, maybe nine, nine, ten months old. Yeah. So it's still quite a young age. Yeah. And for eight months to get all the toilet training down pat, you know, as long as everything goes to plan, baby comes on time. Yeah. I really just was concerned about you know, the time aspect that, that they don't I don't think first time owners yeah. uh, uh, human owners like baby owners yes first people have their babies for first parents time. I think they're called as well thank you yes that's o- the o- word often known as parents yes parents parents you first can, time parents yes you can be my I should thesaurus. write a book yes yeah you can be, not fur parents <laughs> <laughs> but parents well it depends they might be very hirsute yes yeah maybe that's right. Because you it doesn't isn't that mean you get uh, what's that morning sickness? You got a hairy baby. Oh really? I think so. Oh, oh that might be a hairy pa- parent. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. Let's get away from there. We know about animals. So, so oh. Willow. So, well, so th- that was my shit. Like yeah. the time aspect. If they think they've got enough time now in the next eight months, you know, to train the dog, knowing that's still going to be a puppy when the when the baby yeah. comes, and then potentially if they get suddenly really busy, they've got an eight month old dog. Maybe it's not toilet trained. Maybe it's running around the house chewing things, and maybe it's only six months old because it took them three months to get a, a puppy yeah. anyway. So that was my really concern. And I said, you know, and then, but then you know, if you're waiting until after it's born, you're probably looking at least twelve to eighteen months, I reckon, yeah, because the time factor again, yep. you want to make sure you know, might say, oh, I've got plenty of time. The husband's got plenty of time, you know, or one of the partners got plenty of time doesn't always work like that. Yeah. So I really, my preference is often to wait till the, the, at least the baby's perhaps 18 months old yep. where perhaps things are just a little bit calmer, a little bit settling down. If they do want to get the puppy now, they want to get it now, they need to make sure they try and expose the puppy to, to babies. Yeah. So zero to 12 months of age, but also to toddlers. Yes. Good experiences. So toddlers, 12 months to three uh, to three, three years, years of age, one yeah, to three. Yeah. So sort of two distinct groups there yeah, yeah. that are really important that are risk factors for, for bites to, to babies, particularly the toddler aspect. But also you don't want to, you know, and um, you, you don't want the baby coming along and the dog's like, whoa, now I'm freaked out by that and the changes in routine and all that stuff going on. So I didn't have a distinct answer for them because I couldn't talk to them. Because there is no distinct answer. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, on. But I think that's, uh, yeah, just do your homework and they've done the right thing. Talk to their vet. Exactly. So Talk there you go, Willow. Get an opinion. Finally yeah. got back to you, mate. Hope that helps. Yeah. You had to listen to the whole podcast, though. <laughs> 
<laughs> Major nice. listen. Um, and tell you what, Willow, if you if you've liked what we've spoken about, um, you, you could uh, you can go and check us out on Patreon as nice. well. Willow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Patreon.com, Search for Two Vets Talk Pets. Uh, join up. Um, if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us at uh, Two Vets Talk Pets at gmail.com. You can find us on the Instagram. You can find us on the on the Facebook. You can find us on. Uh, you know, um, out, uh, you know, pretending that we're Rum Tum Tugger in a, in a Cats production. <laughs> it's time to go, mate. All right, see you later, everyone. Peace out. Oh, hang on a sec before we go, guys. Uh, we do have just a little important message just regarding uh, the bushfires and the situation in um, that's happening in Australia at the moment, particularly the east, uh, southern and eastern states. Um, you got a little announcement, haven't you, Robbie? Uh, yeah, so um, as you guys will remember, of a part of the other uh, uh, Love Your Pet, Love Your Vet uh, group, and um, uh, Dr. Nadine Hamilton, who's the uh, the, the founder of uh, Love Your Pet, Love Your Vet, she's actually uh, organised uh, or helped to organise um, volunteer psychologists that are um, that have registered with a service to try and help uh, animal uh, care professionals that have been affected by. Uh, uh, what they're having to deal with, with all of the um, the, the dealing with uh, the the injured wildlife and um, and pets and and livestock um, around through all these bushfires. So oh, that's um, fantastic. So if uh, if you or anyone that you know of uh, are affected, um, then if you go to uh, www.loveyourpetloveyourvet.com.au backslash bushfire uh, little line support hyphen uh, hyphen there's a hyphen that's another word for it hyphen, source. Yeah. um uh, so or even just search for it I'm, I'm pretty sure you can follow it from the love your vet uh love your uh, love your pet love your vet campaign uh, website um they've got some things there you just got to go through obviously you know call lifeline or beyond blue or things like that first but um they've got uh registered psychologists that are volunteering their time to try and help out specifically for uh animal health professionals be they vet nurses um you know uh personnel that are helping carers carers yeah yeah wildlife carers anyone that's affected um they've put their hand up to try and help help for it so it's it's a a a fantastic initiative that they've done um so like i say Put it, put the word out there. Find the link. Put it on on your uh, your social media things to try and get the word out there because it's a really good thing that these guys have done. So um, if you if you need help, help is there. I think it's fantastic because I know a lot of the the vets and and nurses that are out there doing the stuff. A lot of it is unfortunately euthanasia. Oh, a lot and yeah, of mass numbers of animals that have been you know burnt severely and, and can't recover, cannot yeah. be recovered. Yes, um, because they're so badly burnt. Um, so it must be really distressing doing that all the time. So great initiative. Thank you very much, uh, Nadine, for looking after. The care is out there. And make sure you talk talk to people if you're feeling bad. Lifeline, Beyond Blue, yep. talk to talk to your friends, talk to your family. It is going to get you down. It is okay to say that you're not feeling okay. Spot on, mate. Yep. We'll, we'll see you guys next week. All right. Peace out, everyone. Bye. Scratch you later. Thanks for listening to Two Vets Talk Pets with Lewis and Robbie. To chat further about this week's episode or ask the guys any questions, search Two Vets Talk Pets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram or send an email to twovetstalkpets at gmail.com. You can find Lewis on Twitter with the handle at vetbehaviorist and more importantly as the two pet heroes return to their day job of saving animals lives be sure to thank them with a five star review on iTunes. Every time you do a small cute animal will receive a cuddle.